Recently, Becky, Amanda, and I talked about how we can use our recovery tools in actively working for change. That was episode 337, Activism and Recovery. I got a lot of feedback about that episode, and so today I'm going to let your voices stand alone without comment in this episode. Welcome to episode 341 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Roseanne, Laura, Michelle, Linda, William, Susan, and Tim. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Roseanne, Laura, Michelle, Linda, William, Susan, and Tim for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that in this show we represent ourselves rather than any 12-step program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. So, let's get going with your voices. But before we start, I would like to re-emphasize that this is not supposed to be in any way like an Al-Anon meeting. The opinions expressed here are probably not ones that would be shared in a meeting. It's more like a conversation you might have with friends after a meeting. I want to thank everybody for the opinions you expressed here. You've given me a lot to think about. A voicemail from Amanda. Hi, Spencer, and all of the contributors and guest hosts and people who call and sent in on the recovery show. I am so excited to hear more voices and perspectives and thoughts on the activism episode that Becky and I participated in. And I because there's going to be a whole nother episode, I um, wanted to share some other actually like articles and other things I was researching before the episode and since I've uh, been looking a little bit more into. And there's a really interesting article called Activism is Better for Recovery in the Huff Post by Claire Rudy Foster. I'm actually just going to read some parts that like really resonate with me. And this is coming from a slightly different perspective. It's more of from the addict's perspective as opposed to mine with like the Al-Anon codependent side. But I think it's all the same thing for me in my experience. This passage really spoke to me. She writes, now I call my elected representatives regularly to make sure that addiction is a top issue for them. I have worked recovery hotlines, spoken to recovery groups, and helped connect others with the resources they need to stay sober. I march in rallies against oppression. I donate to groups that support recovery for diverse communities. I'm learning how to talk to outsiders about recovery and help break the stigma of our illness. I have a strong recovery community, but I recognize it's more important to talk to people I don't know, people who haven't heard the message yet. This keeps me on the front lines of the recovery movement and helps me make sure I don't backslide into addiction. My recovery depends on helping another person, not just helping myself. Radical self-acceptance is great, but it's just the first step. Even one person can have a huge impact on their neighborhood, community, town, and state. All you have to do is look beyond your own yoga mat. Ask yourself, what do I have that other people do not? For example, what if we created recovery-positive, 
inclusive spaces for people of color, members of the LGBTQ plus community, HIV positive people, young people, and other marginalized groups? What if we actively reached out to people whose experiences of addiction were totally different from our own and listened to their needs and concerns? What if we thought, how can I help instead of what do I need? If recovery is not intersectional, it is incomplete. I'm doing my part to see past my own horizons. I believe that the future of our movement, that's my future and yours too, depends on it. So that's the part I really wanted to share. And I really love this writer's passion and perspective on this. I definitely want to highlight that I see as as the person coming from an Al-Anon perspective, I do want to be careful of how I often can think of others before myself. But I still think that there's a lot in here about contributing and having recovery, the intersectional. There's another article called The Loneliness of the Addict Activist from The Fix. I actually really identified this, even though I'm not an active addict. Just one line is, active addicts were thought to be too chaotic to even bother to save their own lives, let alone take political action. And recovering people were seen as too fragile or too wrapped up in the apolitical 12-step movement to organize. This is, I think, in, in the context of AIDS and a drug addict and, and organizing for that cause. But I actually resonated in that when I first came to Al-Anon, even now, the last few months, there's been a lot of stuff going on in my own life. And sometimes when that happens, when I feel like my world is a little too chaotic, I definitely have to step back and I feel like I'm unable to sometimes read the news or keep up on the causes that if I'm in a more smoothed out place, I feel I'm more able to offer service in. I thought that was a really good point to make and that I think it actually really adds to my own self-worth and self-esteem that I do have something valuable to offer and I, I can be of service and actually doing something outside of myself when I'm feeling like things are really chaotic in my own sphere is actually sometimes the perfect thing that I need to take the attention off of myself, you know, get out of my head, stinking thinking, and focus on something else more positive. I also wanted to highlight an organization that I found, which is really cool, and I've been looking more into it since our conversation. It's called Faces and Voices of Recovery. Their mission says, Faces and Voices of Recovery is dedicated to organizing and mobilizing the over 23 million Americans in recovery from addiction to alcohol and other drugs, our families, friends, and allies into recovery community organizations and networks to promote the right and resources to recover through advocacy, education, and demonstrating the power and proof of long-term recovery. This is really interesting because when we had our conversation on activism, we were really talking about our own personal activism and just other causes outside of recovery. But there's really a lot about when your life's been touched by addiction, getting involved in activism related to addiction. It, it makes sense. That's funny. I didn't even I personally didn't put that together before finding this article. So like in 2020, the legislative priorities were or it says like, you're leading the nation's addiction recovery advocacy movement since 2001. And this is an example of one of their legislative priorities is to secure and expand substantial new federal and state funding for community-based recovery support and to support children and families impacted by addiction. 
that sounds like a really awesome cause to me. I haven't looked too much into it about um, the anonymity and how to get involved uh, too much, but it sounds like a really great space. I just wanted to highlight that because I know, yeah, our conversation is so much about our own individual activism and civic engagement. Like, for example, right now in the United States in 2020, we're leading up to an election year. For me personally, getting involved is really on my mind. But I really like this sort of connection between recovery and activism and an even closer link. Oh, and I forgot to mention, uh, there was another article called Recovery, the 12-Step Movement and Politics. It's published in Oxford University Press by Linda Ferris Kurtz. I haven't read the whole thing, but it, it looks like her thesis reads, like, what is more controversial than politics? Thus, it is useful to ponder how 12-step recovery can be empowering without being political. And she continues to talk about 12-step communities and politics. And so, yeah, just really interesting. I've gone down the rabbit hole of researching and finding all, I'm getting nerdy into it. But I just wanted to share in case um, anyone else maybe feels called to get into it or um, look more into it. And I'll definitely send these articles to Spencer to link in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you for hearing me again (laughs) on this topic. Let me share. I'm so grateful for every single episode. I will like listen to every single one multiple times. And thank you to all of the future guest hosts who have yet to um, appear on the recovery show. It was such a wonderful experience for me and I really, I highly recommend it. I look forward to hearing what you have to say. Thank you. Gina writes, hi Spencer and co-hosts, courageous topic. Angela Davis's version of the serenity prayer is very thought provoking. I am no longer accepting the things I cannot change. I am changing the things I cannot accept. For me, the first line, I am no longer accepting the things I cannot change, could mean coming out of denial and realizing that we do have choices despite someone else's distorted black and white thinking. Unfortunately, even today, systemic racism and oppression plague our society. I thought it was a good point that the person who brought up this topic said it wasn't that long ago that black people got the right to vote, and at the time people said there was nothing they could do to change that. As a white person, I do not have that experience in terms of systemic racism, but when I was still married to my alcoholic ex, I was often told I had to accept things I couldn't change because they were up to him. He would tell me I had no choice in things, and that I just had to accept how he treated me. He was physically and verbally abusive, and now it is clear to me that abuse and other control is never acceptable. I learned in program that I do have choices, and that was distorted thinking. I think when leaders or groups of people oppress minorities by controlling them or limiting their rights, that is distorted thinking. Coming out of denial around alcoholism takes courage, and I'm sure that coming out of denial around racism and inequality will also take tremendous courage and awareness. I have to admit that I did feel a lot of shame coming out of denial and speaking about being abused as if it was my fault, and I have felt shame realizing my own racist distorted thinking, which I do think is my responsibility to change. My higher power of unconditional love has helped me process that, and I have the tools of the program to support me to let go of these character defects. As for the second line, I am changing the things I cannot accept. I thought about reframing things I cannot accept as unmanageable. Pre-program, I would say there were a lot of things that were unacceptable, but I could still manage it all. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Nowadays, I try to accept more and do what I can to change when things are unmanageable. 
When something in my life is unmanageable, that is a sign that I need to change something like my behavior or my distorted thinking. It is clear that there are a lot of things going on in our political system and current events that are unmanageable, which is a sign that in society, we need to collectively change our behaviors and our distorted thinking within our communities. So let it begin with me. If something is unmanageable, I can do my part to clean it up on my side of the street. How can I adjust my thinking and behavior to help make things more manageable? How can I come out of denial around current issues? I can connect to my higher power and inner compass as I make decisions each day. Like in an election, I can consider if my vote reinforces distorted thinking or not. Is my vote bringing me closer to my higher power, which for me is a kind of unconditional love, a sense of support for everything around us? Or is my vote moving me away from my higher power and closer to fear, anger, or judgment towards others? That's my take on Angela Davis's serenity prayer and what it reminds me of in terms of alcoholism. Well done for taking on this important topic. Thanks for your patience with my long emails, as always. Gina. Hello, my name is Danny. I'm a huge fan of the podcast and I care deeply about activism. And so I've been really excited to think about the ways in which recovery and activism can intersect. And I think that there are loads of ways in which they do. I think that the diagnostic tools that you learn in recovery are actually remarkably similar to diagnosing structural problems in the world. I believe that the problems in society and problems in my personal life are often separate branches connected to the same tree. So a variety of ills might present themselves as singular distinct problems in my life, but they may in fact be connected by an underlying, often unacknowledged problem. For example, my bad temper and my workaholic tendencies might seem like two unconnected problems, but in reality, they are frequently symptoms of a deeper fundamental issue. And similarly, homelessness and mass incarceration might seem to be separate political issues, but in fact, they both have common roots in the greater problem of wealth inequality. When we look at it in this way, I think we can see similarities in how we may tend to favor easy fixes in both of those cases. So personally, plunging myself deeper into my work or social activities might provide temporary escape from the pain inside myself, just as weak policy reforms may appear cosmetically to be fixing a social problem. But in both cases, the surface level problems will not go away unless we locate, acknowledge and address the the fundamental root cause of the issues. My varied codependent behaviors, just like societal issues, are not a series of single strands, but rather a spider web of them all connected. And I think that trying to address individual symptoms would be just about as effective as repeatedly patching up weak spots on an inner tube that keeps bursting. Without making changes on a fundamental level, the problems don't go away. And so in recovery, as in activism, I have to let the change begin with me, whether it's uh, attending meetings to work on my own recovery or getting involved with local community organizing, local politics. I think in recovery terms, if I don't keep working the program or attending meetings, I may find that certain undesirable behaviors in myself keep reappearing. 
And similarly, if we don't keep trying to address the root cause of what's going wrong in the world, we're going to find that these problems keep cropping up wherever we look, in, in whatever country you're politically active. So that's what I think. I think that there's loads of ways in which that the methods that we use to, to diagnose the problems overlap with recovery and activism, even though they are separate things. The toolkits bear a remarkable resemblance to each other. Thank you so much. Nancy writes, I love your show. It brought me back through the doors of Al-Anon has been my companion on my drive to and from work many times. I have recommended your show to so many people looking for sustenance between meetings, especially while we can't be in the rooms. I've contributed money to your show when able and plan to contribute again. I remain a true fan and intend to keep listening. That's why I find it imperative that I speak out about the episode Activism and Recovery. I know you preface each show by stating you represent yourselves rather than the program, but your affiliation with Al-Anon cannot be missed. You speak of the steps, traditions, slogans, and your meetings. You refer to the Al-Anon name. I know offense was not intended by participants Amanda and Becky. I, true, believe strongly in the causes that have recently been prominent in our society and the world at large. Concept 5 provides protection for minorities in Al-Anon. But this show topic, however noble, violated traditions 5, 6, and 10. The twelfth step that was used as the platform for this topic, practicing these principles in all our affairs, can be accomplished by each individual in their personal way, the same way that defining a higher power is done. But discussing outside issues within the group format, even if the issues are not named, is not what is meant by the twelfth step. If anyone feels conflicted about how to practice step 12, it would be more appropriate to discuss it privately with a sponsor or an al friend, not within a meeting. I know none of us has been able to practice the steps, traditions, and meetings perfectly. That's why we have each other. We have to hold each other accountable. And that's why we need meetings, after all. Please keep coming back on the air, but be careful to abide by the traditions. Keep it simple. Sincerely, Nancy D. Hi there, y'all. My name is Dorothy. I wanted to offer just a quick thank you, and I guess it's an insight or a comment. This episode most recently about recovery and activism, I have brought up a couple of times in a few anti-racism efforts that I'm in how much recovery work just applies to issues that we're facing and the alienation you can feel, the inventories you can start taking on others, the social issues, political issues around the dinner table or in the office or in all our affairs. And this topic could be a whole, I think, separate podcast because of that, the depth of it and the how much recovery has helped. I've often thought, started formally on working the steps myself this year and Alan on is a family member and I've thought, have I taken too much on doing anti racism recovery and Alan on recovery and the two are just really dovetailing in a way that I have to think higher power is helping me with. But the comment I wanted to make and maybe problem I struggle with, and I'm wondering how others maybe have struggled with it, is my qualifier doesn't abuse alcohol, but comes from an alcoholic family. She, though, is a perpetual rescuer. And living around that and the perpetual martyr, perpetual savior, perpetual everyone else needs me except for even herself, I struggle with it. And then it, it ping-pongs on some of her kids being almost anti-activists because they felt really abandoned by her activism. And I'm curious about any other experiences people have had with 
children or siblings of alcoholics that have manifested their issues in rescuing the world and really abandon themselves and their primary loved ones in the, in the meantime. It's an interesting dynamic. I don't know how to really speak to it, but it is, it's a very big dynamic in my large extended highly activist family is this group of people dealing with addiction and then everyone that has dealt with those addicts runs off to rescue the world. And getting those rescuers to enter into a conversation. Natalie writes, Dear Spencer and co-hosts, I loved the activism episode. It's a topic I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I really appreciate the perspectives and wisdom of you and your co-hosts. Thank you for having the courage to tackle this topic. From Natalie. Hi, Spencer. This is Kat from the West Coast calling about your activism episode. Thank you so much for doing that, and thank you for the women guests. I really appreciate all their conversation. When you brought this topic up, I was thinking about it, and honestly, when I go back to when I was early in Al-Anon, the serenity prayer really seems to be a key element in being an activist or how you make choices. But when I first came to Al-Anon, the concept of accepting the things I cannot change, when I looked at that category of things was huge. It was really large, very broad. And the things that I thought I could change were very small. I was living in a really fear-based world. I was paralyzed by fear of other people's opinions of me and had a really low self-esteem. Any kind of criticism at all just was another knock to my self-esteem. So what I needed to do, well, what happened is over time, being in the program, I found the courage to look at my life and recognize that I had a lot more choice than I ever thought I did originally. And to work through making the next right step, taking the next right step, making the choices that were right for me. So I grew out of paralysis through working the program and left some of my fear behind. It's still really hard for me. I still get really fearful around other people's opinions. Sounds so stupid. I want to put a yard sign in my front yard. It is August. I still have not put a yard sign in my front yard about Black Lives Matter, something along those lines. But I have such great fear around other people's opinions. And so Al-Anon has given me the lens to look at the choices I'm making and then recognize that I do have choice on a much broader scale than I ever thought I did when I first came through the doors and into the rooms of Al-Anon. The other thing I wanted to talk about is I remember overhearing somebody at a street fair talk one time about how their family member who was in AA or Al-Anon took the phrase, let go and let God, as a reason to just not do anything, not take any action at all. I passed this good Al-Anon. I didn't butt in where it wasn't my position to, but I've thought about that often. And just with respect to this topic, let go and let God is not a call to inaction. 
It is a call to do our best, make the best choices we can for the person we are at that moment, and then let go of the outcomes and turn those outcomes over to our higher power. And then I think your guest touched on using the traditions of Al-Anon in our public interfaces, not to bring Al-Anon in, but to use those in all our affairs. And when we're interacting with others on these very challenging, emotionally laden topics, whatever they are. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. An anonymous listener wrote, I'm an active member of both Al-Anon and AA, as well as previously a member of adult children. I love the 12 steps. They have saved my life. I have thought long about my comments and whether I should send this message, but Al-Anon has been vital to my life and well-being for 35 years, and I believe it is too important for me to talk when I see the program, in my view, being misused from its primary purpose to a possible specific political purpose. I've listened and enjoyed your podcast many times, and I'm grateful you provide this service. However, your recent episode on activism was, to me, off-target and, in my opinion, against the Tenth Tradition. I realize your podcast is your opinion, your viewpoint, your forum. However, using the Al-Anon program in conjunction with your political viewpoint affects the whole of Al-Anon. Having no opinion on outside issues is the essence of singleness of purpose. It was very obvious that this episode was an opinion on outside issues. Though it was somewhat hidden within a discussion of Al-Anon tools, the specific political viewpoint, commentary, and push were, I felt, obvious. I was not the only one to notice this. Another home group member noticed this as well, and just the week before, she and I had recommended your podcast as a resource to newcomers. Now I need to let those newcomers know it doesn't reflect Al-Anon. I have no problem with varied viewpoints, political or otherwise, never have. That's the beauty of life. My family is filled with them. But I do have a problem when I think I see the program being used to benefit a specific viewpoint, especially a political one. My main concern has always been and will always be the beginner or newcomer. If they have reason to believe Al-Anon is about activism or has a specific viewpoint politically, they may not return or leave with the wrong idea because maybe their viewpoint is different. I know this is true because, though I have always liked and gained from your program, I was irritated and will be hesitant in question whether to continue listening. I attend meetings to be safe, free to speak, and away from political bias to be focused on my recovery and hopefully learn from or help someone else. A podcast like this episode does the opposite for me, especially when it was obvious the push toward a specific viewpoint. I have viewpoints, political views, social ideas, and actions, but the members of my group don't know them from my time in meetings, and if they do, it's because that occurs outside the l program. They are mine. I realize that this podcast is outside the program, but your audience is built from the association with Al-Anon and 12-step programs and the use of it in and throughout your discussions. So officially, it's not Al-Anon, but what and where would the podcast be without Al-Anon? This is so irritating because I hate writing something like this and truly do appreciate and respect your program and its service. But when a program pushes a specific direction or gives forum to specific outside issues, i.e. protesting British imperial history, I must comment in order for the program to work for all faiths or no faith, for all races, professions, it must be kept from outside issues that always do cause division. And this episode was no exception. Here's a voicemail from Renee. Hi, Spencer. Thank you so much for your show. I just love the sound of your voice, and I'm so thankful for the show. I share it with everyone. And I also wanted to thank everyone who sends in contributions. I wanted to talk about for the activism episode, what sticks out for me 
is tradition four. And I thought a lot about this during all the recent unrest. In tradition four, we talk about each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting another group or Al-Anon or AA as a whole. If this tradition was used in politics and activism, I think that the world would be in a much better place. For example, if any one group based on gender, race, class, or whatever, is autonomous and speak for themselves, then they shouldn't make executive decisions that would affect another group in our country as a whole. If what I do affects me and only me, if I stay in my own lane, I can be autonomous. But if I'm making decisions on what will affect another group or all of us as a whole, then I cannot act on my own. I need to discuss with the other groups or the other people in my group how my action would impact them or if my action impacts them. I personally am really upset about a lot of decisions made by the government that affect women without any input from women. This is a really good example of the fourth tradition not being followed. But since we never talk about politics in meetings, I really would like to share and process around some of the really unfortunate news or legislation. I only say how I feel. It's like focusing on myself and my own feelings as opposed to focusing on the alcoholic. I can say I'm angry or disappointed, but without mentioning the context or blaming anyone else during the meeting. In terms of activism, what I do is I call my representatives and I donate to causes that are important to me. When I live courage to change the things I can, I feel like it seriously does take courage for me to call my representatives. There's a website called fivecalls.org. The number five calls are one word.org. And it's really helpful to me because it gives me my representatives' names and their numbers. And it provides sample scripts of how to get started, which definitely helps me. I've also helped people register to vote this year. And I volunteered at a virtual phone bank to connect people with their vote-by-mail or early voting options to vote safely during the pandemic. I don't always think about all of this in terms of program, but really I live the program or try to live the program so completely that I apply it to all of my affairs. So looking back, it definitely feels like I had the courage to change the things I can by doing these things. I think this is a really important topic. I feel it's so important to live the 12 steps and with everything that's happening in the world, this just can't be separated from the 12 steps. So I really look forward to hearing what other people say about this topic. I also am really interested in hearing more about detachment or boundaries, another episode about those topics. I understand it in theory a lot more now compared to when I was a newcomer, but still putting it into practice on a daily basis is something that I think about a lot and struggle with because I'm continuing to use these concepts to connect to the activism that I feel really needs to happen in the world right now. 
my life feels much more meaningful in all areas now that I'm working the 12 steps. And I'm so happy that you're talking about this really important topic. Thank you so much. Carolyn writes, feedback on the activism episode. It was great to listen and think about since there's been so much unrest in the U.S. right now. I still feel pretty overwhelmed wanting to help make things better for myself and other people. I worry that if I detach, that is me turning a blind eye to what is going on today. It is the same fear and anxiety I feel for my kids, like I'm watching them or this country go down the wrong path. I got a lot out of your episode, but I still need to hear people's thoughts on the Angela Davis quote and how it aligns with Al-Anon. I am no longer accepting the things I cannot change. I am changing the things I cannot accept. Because I am still not clear on what I can do, how I can help in a healthy way. I can do my part to fix the dysfunction of my home and the dysfunction of society while also having serenity about what I cannot change. Sigh. I will keep coming back. Keep well, Caroline. Hi, Spencer. It's DCL. I'm calling in reference to your question, should there be a recovery show episode that focuses on current events? After the killing of George Floyd and the demonstrations decrying the killing of black people in custody, and the peaceful demonstrations as a result and the not peaceful demonstrations. And uh, you invited feedback on whether or not this should be an episode or thoughts. And I just wanted to share that I think it would be highly appropriate for the recovery show to take on this topic. And my reason for that is that our program encourages us to practice these principles in all of our affairs, the steps, the traditions, They really apply to being a human. To me, the Al-Anon program has actually made me a better, stronger person. One of the things that I have most benefited from is finding my voice, finding my own opinion, unique from my parents, unique from my husband, unique from my friends, but my own sense of right, and then using that voice. Over the last few weeks, I haven't been able to go to peaceful demonstrations, but I did go to a vigil for George Floyd in my neighborhood where we stood silent for eight minutes, and that was it, and then everyone left. And I held a sign saying, this mama heard you. I was just impacted by the fact that George Floyd yelled out for his mom, his mama, in his last moments of life. I'm talking to you on Independence Day, July 4th. For those of us listeners in the U.S., we celebrate the founding of our country and the signers of the Declaration of Independence and the freedom that they gained from England. But I was reminded yesterday, hearing a reading by Frederick Douglass's descendants on Frederick Douglass's speech that he gave on July 4th to a crowd of abolitionists, I believe it was entitled, Thoughts from a Slave on July 4th. And I was reminded that for many Americans, for many in our country, there was not a sense of freedom, and there still isn't even a sense of freedom. The legacy of treatment of black people in our country is something that unfortunately survives to this day. The problems didn't stop with the end of slavery after the Civil War, after Jim Crow laws were finally ended, there is arguably so much discrimination. 
And as a white woman, one of the most important things I feel I have to learn and grow from is to discover where my blinders are, to to realize what privileges I have, to realize that others are treated differently because of the color of their skin. I'm challenging myself not to be colorblind. That's something I used to say. I'm embarrassed to say. And I had friends of color say to me, just see me, appreciate difference, appreciate who I am. Being colorblind is not a goal. And over time, through my work, thank goodness I've had formal training. I work in education. I've had opportunities to really talk and get to know people who are different from me. And uh, my eyes have really been opened. To me, the work of Al-Anon is to become a better person, to use our voice. When I think about our conference-approved literature, Courage to Change, Hope for Today, One Day at a Time, almost every page has a quote at the bottom that is from non-conference-approved literature, from Ralph Waldo Emerson, from uh, presidents, you know, inspirational people. I love that the recovery show isn't bound by what happens in a meeting. It isn't bound even by conference-approved literature. You've had topics on all sorts of things. And that, to me, is the strength of the recovery show, that you can apply the recovery show to all of our affairs and to ignore what's going on in our country and not address it, to me, would be a real missing so I would love to hear a show uh, on this topic. Um, I will say that the meetings I've attended since I've joined Al-Anon have been pretty homogeneous. I'm not sure what that's about, but I think our whole recovery and movement would be blessed by having more diverse people. And that takes each one of us applying the steps, the traditions, challenging ourselves, learning, thinking differently. So I do hope you do an episode on this. I uh, fully support it, and I hope that this isn't perceived as a political post. It makes me sad that talking about racism is seen as political. It's sort of similar to me. It's sad that wearing a mask, which makes me feel safer, is also politicized. Things that make us healthier need not be political. And I know that our program says we should avoid associating with outside groups or outside issues, but at the same time, we bring our life to the conversation, to this work. So thank you for what you're doing, Spencer. Thank you to all the listeners out there. Uh, I'm sure that I've got many blinders that need to be torn down. But on this Independence Day, I'm going to continue the tradition that my family has, which is we're going to read the Declaration of Independence. We read it from cover to cover uh, before we have dinner. But this year, we're also going to read Frederick Douglass's piece on Reflections of a Slave on July 4th. And uh, I'm going to continue that, along with listening to other authors that have really stretched my understanding, Robin DiAngelo, White Fragility, uh, the book on anti-racism, Tim Wise's work, I think that it's important right now to listen to voices that are different than us. And I'm trying to shift from being just not, being not racist is not enough. Being anti-racist is really the goal I have. And that 
takes applying this idea to all areas of life. So thank you. Thanks for even raising the question. Bye-bye now. Alba wrote, Dear Spencer, first of all, a huge thanks for your service to all of us in Al-Anon Recovery. You do not know how important it has been for me to listen and walking with your voice and the voice of your guests. During this time of COVID and wildfires here in the West, it is soothing to be able to look up hope or trust or fear and not despair. But I am writing re your episode on activism. When I first saw the topic, I said, "Uh uh-oh, Spencer, you are getting in trouble. But then I thought that your program is not an Al-Anon meeting. And with Eric, you have expanded on the topic with definitions from psychology or other spiritual paths. You use the Al-Anon principles in the show to guide us and to facilitate our own solutions to our problems, and we are very grateful for it. I am clear that when I work the steps with a sponsee, I only use the Al-Anon program. Or in a meeting, I do not discuss politics or elaborate on a problem I'm having at work from a perspective that comes from my type of work. I'm very interested in how my personal faith community and my Al-Anon spiritual path inform my decisions to act in the greater collective. Those spiritual principles are guidelines that inspire me on how to improve not only my personal actions and my family, but in all my community and society at large. The program has taught me how to live with integrity and reciprocal respect and justice with my loved one who is still actively drinking, and to listen and not think that I am right and treat him as my enemy and myself as a victim. I use these same principles when I am confronted with a person that has a different political view if I am doing phone banking. I also try not to judge, but respect as much as I can their point of view and hear the slogan, drop the rope, when confrontation becomes hostile or uses violence is also important. In your show on activism, you mentioned Angela Davis's words, change the things we cannot accept. Well, on a personal level, we use those words with our loved ones when we say to ourselves, this is wrong, therefore I will protect myself, I will set my boundaries, I will leave the situation. In the bigger society, those are the principles that guide our decisions to become activists when we see injustice and violence and lies and not truth, the awareness that we are not helpless and that we have to take actions to make the situation better for ourselves and the common good. We learn in Al-Anon not to despair and start building our future with just actions in the present that are more loving, respectful of others and ourselves, and we are capable of improving our lives because we believe in a loving power greater than ourselves that start encouraging and guiding us in our actions, and we believe in our higher power of promises, not only for our personal lives, but for the people around us. Alba O. We have a voicemail from an anonymous listener. Hi, I want to thank you so much for the recovery show on activism and recovery. I'm new to recovery, but have been a long-time activist, and it was so wonderful to hear people talk about things I've been wondering about. And also so inspiring to hear these younger people talk about their activism. So thank you, and I hope you do it again. Bye. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.